we spend the vast majority of our lives reporting to someone. Parents, teachers, bosses, even spouses. But when you grow your company, you no longer have that person to make you do the things that must be done. Our commitment, engagement, and performance levels become self-directed. And when that happens, well, results may vary. This week, we will talk about how to keep ourselves on task and on track when there's nobody else available to do so. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. I've avoided this topic for a long time because there are countless people listening right now who are going to think I'm talking about them specifically. Well, the reality is, I'm talking to all of us because it's a very universal problem. We are all suspect to this. We all fall prey to this. This affects every single one of us. How it manifests itself for each of us is different, of course, like all things. But this is a very common problem. So (laughs) I've had this on my list of things to talk about for well over a year. And I just keep putting it off and putting it off because I know I'm going to get text messages and phone calls and emails from somebody saying or from people saying, I know that episode is about me. I promise it's not about anybody in particular. But I'm going to frame this. I'm going to start this by talking about the, you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, you understand that I have, you know, businesses broken down in five stages, basically from startup to where the, the business owner is ready to exit. And, you know, most people think that stage one is the most dangerous. Stage two is the most dangerous. And that's not true. Honestly, stage three is by far the most dangerous. But a close second Actually, I shouldn't say close second. A second place would be stage four, not stage one or stage two. And why is it? That's completely counterintuitive. Well, in stage one or stage two, you're doing all the things you know how to do. You're doing all the revenue producing stuff. It's just you. <laughs> in stage one, it's oftentimes nobody else even. So there's not very many people who can you know let things fall apart and go to hell. You're the one doing all this stuff. And so most people who have the ambition to take on starting their own business are are proficient at their craft, whatever that is. So it seems like it'd be, that's where the most business would fail, but that's not true. Most businesses fail when the business owner has to give up the things that they're good at and start doing things they're not good at. And then stage four comes when, when you have some freedom, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then staying engaged is really difficult. So again, in stage four, we get this, we get this level of freedom. We go from, it seems like overnight, but in maybe the course of six months, you go from, maybe a year, but could be as short as six months. You go from being needed for all kinds of things. Like the, the business seems like it can't run without you. And then boom, you wake up one day and you're like, if I didn't go in today, nobody would even know. <laughs> they might not even care. It, it's, it's an odd thing that happens because we go from handling things that have a, a, a deadline. You know, we were used to doing things that have immediate deadlines. You got to do the job because that's the customer's expecting it. Well, when other people do that stuff, the things we have to do are less immediate. 
we also get a team which in many circumstances will just do the stuff like they just do the things and sometimes we have to tell them sometimes we don't but they just they do the things that have the immediate deadlines and so the things we begin working on don't have immediate immediate deadlines they also don't have immediate consequences so along with that sometimes we can take a very top down posture and limit the kind of or amount of input we will take from others, especially subordinate employees. After all, we're the expert. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. In many things, we are the expert. We are the one who knows better than anyone else in the building how things should be done. We usually have a better understanding of what is the correct way or answer or solution. We also bring on people who take on various leadership roles and take care of things we don't want to. So again, these things that have urgency and deadlines, urgency and consequences, those things get start getting passed up to other folks. So things we're left with are much more abstract in some case. They're longer range, longer term ideas and, and, and initiatives we're taking on. The deadline, the day-to-day deadline stuff is being met. So in any case, we get a much greater ability to not be present in the immediate sense, both physically and mentally. Things we're working on People wouldn't know sometimes for days, weeks, or months that we're even working on the thing. All the things that have to be done immediately are being taken care of by somebody else. So we also get a greater ability to be successful without considering input from our team. We've told people how to do things. And we can create a structure where that's how all decisions are made. So you've heard me talk before, if we're not careful, if we have this top-down mentality, we have this top-down approach to how decisions are made, the business can only grow as, as in so much is the, we are able to make all the decisions necessary to function. So if the business business takes 27 decisions for me to function every day, which would not be unusual, it, you know, depending on how you structure your business and how much input you want from others and things like that, that could keep you busy. But if the business needed 30 decisions and you can only make 25, well, then that's not possible. The business can be limited by how many decisions you have to make every day. So that's a problem we got to be aware of. But again, we start delegating these things that need immediate, you know, to be dealt with immediately. And that becomes less of a thing sometimes. But we can also become isolated. We can also kind of develop this habit of just getting used to just telling folks what needs to be done and getting used to telling folks how things have to be done, when they have to be done. And we get isolated in that we don't really hear feedback from people because the customers are the people we heard feedback from. And we're not dealing with the customers that much anymore. So we kind of get isolated and we don't really have a, a good barometer anymore to measure how things are going in some cases. And this can lead to a situation where we have nobody to hold us accountable to do uncomfortable things that we really should do. Things like learning our financials or developing leadership skills or staying engaged in a meaningful way, adapting our behavior in ways that fosters growth and progress for the company and team, not just me. Also, adapting our behavior in ways that embodies the culture and mood we want our company to have. So again, we, we find ourselves in a situation where we're isolated some. We don't really get a lot of feedback from folks. We don't allow feedback in some cases. We kind of kind of adapt this posture of I tell you and you don't tell me. And that I don't mean that in a in a you know super negative way. It's just how things evolve if we're not careful. We have to be mindful of that. And so this combination of not having things to do, uh, do that have immediate consequences or deadlines or whatever, and having this kind of um, posture that's created where we, we do more speaking and telling folks what to do and how to do than we take on from them 
it just kind of creates a situation where there's not a lot of accountability for us to do things that are uncomfortable or difficult. And that creates problems. So we have to we have to learn things like what makes us successful besides doing the revenue producing tasks well. And and there's no consequence if we don't do it today. It's something that can always be put off till tomorrow. We can always try this uncomfortable leadership strategy next week or next time or whatever. And we just keep kicking the can down the road. And there's no way to tell us, hey, stop doing that. And that creates a problem. You know, we 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 have we we say out loud things like, I know what got me here won't get me there. But there's nothing to compel us or no one to compel us to do something different today. This is not a judgmental statement. It's just a, it's just something I've experienced and I've seen tons of people go through and I've seen very successful people all talk about this where we go through this, you know, period where it's just, there's not a lot of reason for us to do things that are uncomfortable right now. There's always tomorrow. There's always next week. And so a situation where the leader is not going to do things the leader should be doing because those things are uncomfortable is not sustainable for a whole host of reasons, whatever the cause is, including one as simple as there's nobody there to hold them accountable. So how do we overcome this and increase our ability to hold ourselves accountable to do the things we need to do, even when they're really uncomfortable? I'll tell you about that in a minute. First, let me ask you a question. How much is having employees who don't seem to care costing you and your company? It might be nearly impossible to calculate the losses of income or time the missed growth and opportunities, improvements, the poor performance, and additional worry about our future stability and success, never mind the loss of joy and fulfillment, all from having employees who are just not as committed and, and as engaged, engaged as we would like. Imagine for a moment what your life would be like if you had a team who genuinely cares. Sounds like an impossible dream, doesn't it? That's what I used to think too. Then you've heard me talk about this. Through sheer desperation and little luck within my own company, I stumbled upon a way to get to truly get employees to care, which had nothing to do with compensation. In other words, really getting employees to care again didn't cost me a single penny. Now, I've taught several business leaders just like you how to do the exact same thing in their own organizations, and the results have been nothing short of amazing, with well over a 95% success rate. This solution works best for revenue-producing employees in companies that provide a service. I don't think it would work well in in product-based businesses, honestly, like restaurants or retail establishments, and I don't think it would work well with a team of only one or two. Today, I'm offering to teach you the exact same secret for free in an online training I'm doing a couple times over the next uh, next few weeks. And I'm and we'll, you know, I'm going to schedule a few times. Get to that in a second. Now, I know what you're thinking. Webinars are well known for over-promising and under-delivering or to be some kind of bait and switch trick. But to make this as easy as possible for you, I need to be able to answer questions you may have. So a webinar is simply the best method to teach this particular solution. I wish it was different, but it's not. This is just, it's the best way to do this. So you will also learn about a new monthly membership I'm launching to help business leaders just like you with problems just like this. But absolutely no purchase will be necessary. I promise you, you will have clear step-by-step instructions to implement the exact three-step solution I did by the end of the training we're doing. And you'll be able to roll out to your team in, in less than 90 minutes yourself. If you like what I show you, you might very well want more solutions like this for other problems you have. If you don't, then you will have invested less than 90 minutes of your time and zero money to learn how to solve a problem you know is costing you immensely. So here's the deal. I'm hoping you like it so much you say, yeah, I want more stuff like this. And if you don't, you get this thing and that's it. No big deal. The 90-minute online training is called The Secret to Getting to Employees to Care Again. The Secret to Getting Employees to Care Again. 
a simple step-by-step solution that will really get your team engaged without changing their compensation. To register, simply go to employeesecrettraining.com and fill out the quick form. Once I've received your response, I will coordinate which meeting you want to attend, and I'll send you the calendar invite and Zoom link. It's that easy, and this will really change your life. At least it did for me, and now countless others. All right, so how do we overcome this situation and increase our ability to hold ourselves accountable? Well, there's a few things I'd recommend. First of all, you've heard this, you know, again, anybody who's read a business book since 1990 has probably heard this. You got to know your why and not lower and not allow yourself to lower your standards when things get easier. It would take more effort to reach your original goals. Like, why did we start doing this in the first place? If we start doing this in the first place to, to, you know, amass, you know, wealth of $10 million, and then it starts getting easy, and I only have to work a few days a week or four days a week. It's very common for some folks to say, "Well, I kind of like having the time off. I don't want to build a business that much anymore. I'll deal with two million dollars." And they really lower their standards, and that's one of the things that keeps us driven is having that why out there. Like we're doing this for a reason. Yes, the things I'm working on don't have immediate consequences, but the long term consequences are huge. I'm going to give up this this huge dream I had. We can't allow ourselves to do that. The next thing is understanding the consequences. It's not unusual for people to step away when the business is within 10% of being fully self-sufficient, only have to have it completely fall apart when they step away. I know countless stories like this where people are so close to having their business really ready where it could run on its own, and they bail just, just a little, like six months too early, and it all fell apart. Again, stage four is second most dangerous stage, and that's where that happens. Number three, understanding that how you are perceived drives a tremendous amount of employee buy-in and engagement. So you guys have heard me. If you listen to this podcast for any time, you've heard me talk about tons of bad examples. I've had a horrible boss. Was so bad, people were actively rooting for his demise when he was not around. I've had bosses where people smiled to their face but absolutely loathed them behind their back. I had I had a boss one time where people actively plotted against him, like didn't like hope things were happening. They were like like would actively put effort into making him look bad when his boss came into town from, from, you know, wherever his boss was at in the, in the corporate world, you know, you, you travel to different locations. People would actively put plans into place to, to hurt this person when his boss would come into town. I've had bosses where people laughed at them when they weren't around. I mean, I just, and you, you all have too. everyone has stories like this where people saw how individuals behave when the boss was around and how they were, how they behaved completely differently when they weren't. And we have to understand that how we are perceived by the team drives this. If they hate our guts, they're going to do this stuff. Now, there's also good examples. You've heard me talk about my great mentor, Mike. 20 plus years later, people still get together and tell fun and, and like bonding stories and like lament the good old days when that team was still together. And, you know, it never works out that way long term. People move on and careers change and whatever. But he has a lasting legacy that, that people still talk about the good old days because he was the guy running the show. Um, I've had other bosses you've heard me talk about who are just fantastic teachers. I actually had a boss when I worked in the corporate world. I actually looked forward to his visits. He was so helpful. He was so kind, so supportive. And I looked forward to him coming. And I've had bosses where I absolutely didn't. I hated them when they came into town or interacting with him, even if I worked in the same office where I just... I avoided it, but, you know, just, and all that is driven by their perception of us. And we have to be mindful of that. None of us thinks we are the kind of leader that would create an environment where people are rooting against us. 
just like all the people I just talked about who created situations that I explained, every one of them, I promise you, went home thinking, my team loves me. <laughs> they think I'm great. And that's just not the case. As we've covered before, most of us have had at least a handful of bosses who would say, and we would say many of them were not very good. But with with you know, without real strategies, humility, grace, objectivity, fairness, what would keep us from becoming the kind of leader we don't want to be working for? So we have to be mindful of how we're perceived and keep that top of mind and in front of our mind when we're making decisions on stuff. Another thing I'd recommend, maybe number four here, would be giving permission to people to hold us accountable. And I say people, I mean employees. I mean partners. Um, you know, I say partners. I mean life partners and business partners. You know, give them permission like, hey, I need your help. Or here's what it will look like when I need your help. Here's what it will look like when I'm falling short. With employees, this is one of the hardest things for many people. And I'll tell you what I, what, how I use this was I just explained to the employees. Like when I was developing a leadership team, I would say to them, I'm going to expect you to do things that are really uncomfortable. And you're going to fail sometimes. Just like when I do things that are uncomfortable, I'm going to fail sometimes. It would be unreasonable for me to expect that you do things I'm not willing to do. I need you to help me hold me accountable too. And here's what it looks like when I'm falling short. And here's what it looks like when I get stressed out. And here's what it looks like when, when I'm going to need help, but I'm going to think I don't need help. <laughs> because I have to demonstrate the very thing I'm going, to, I'm going to expect them to do. This is not a thing with my leadership team where I hope they do it. I expect them to take that kind of input. I expect them to, to be coachable and to you know, pull themselves out of situations when they're in a funk because they're going through things that are hard or whatever. Like the team can't, the team can't endure that where they're just perpetually in a bad mood or whatever because things are hard or they're having to do things that they don't like. I can't demonstrate that either then. I cannot hold them to a higher standard than me. The last group, you know, I talked about, you know, having people to hold us accountable. There's peer groups and masterminds. You know, a lot of folks are, are in the, those kinds of groups now, whether it's through your church or, or business organizations or networking groups. You know, let these people help you. Show them how to help hold you accountable. I promise you, your life will be a lot easier in the long run and even the intermediate term if there are people to help, help hold you accountable. But even if you can't have that, don't forget the other things we've talked about. We, we mentioned a few here, and I don't want to go through the whole list again. But the first thing we have to do is come to grips with the fact that we're all susceptible to this and realize that saying or thinking things like, the employee shouldn't worry about what I'm doing. They should be paying attention to what their responsibilities are is not likely to lead to a great outcome long term. We need people to hold us accountable. We need people to help us along. We're very, very few of us, and I'm not one of these people, very few of us are able to have the the level of discipline to constantly and without fail always give a hundred percent without some out, outside influence. I that, that's just an exceptionally rare person, and I'm, honestly, I don't even know if I've ever met that person. That's very very difficult. And the absolute most discipline is needed precisely when there's nobody else to truly hold us accountable. So these these you know if we don't accept these things we act as if we're not we're the we're the one exception out of a billion who this is not going to happen to we're setting ourselves up for failure. And I can tell you that from personal experience. This is not a, a again I'm not I am not the guy who can do this stuff without some outside influence. I'm just not that guy. I got to have help, and I think all of us need that. So uh, don't forget to go to EmployeeSecretTraining.com to register for the upcoming online training: The Secret to Getting Employees to Care Again a simple step-by-step -step solution that will really get your team engaged without changing their compensation. This is not hype. It will really change your life, I promise. 
Also, if you find this information I share helpful, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague you think could benefit from it. Of course, public sharing is okay too, uh, especially if you have employees who are uh, peers who are talking about saying things like employees nowadays just don't care like they used to. If you hear somebody say that, send them to that webinar. It's free. You'll look like the hero for getting to pass this on to them. You'll look like the the, the, the great friend for helping them out with this kind of thing. So um, again, don't forget to share this podcast with a friend or colleague. You think they, you, uh, they could benefit from it. And uh, that's it for this week. And I'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>